up, you guys? Welcome to Ratchet Dojo Radio. I am your host, Ro The Show. In this podcast, we're going to take you down, pass your guard, and then steal your girl. Thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, welcome to Ratchet Dojo Radio. If this is your first time listening and you were wondering what this podcast is about, this podcast is all about jujitsu and everything that revolves around it. Before I introduce to you our guests, I have to do some housekeeping. So first, if you like this podcast and you're getting something out of it, please tell one of your BJJ friends about it. And please hit that subscribe button. We drop new content every Monday and Wednesday and you do not want to miss them. Mondays, we have our Ratchet Roundtable and we talk about our experiences moving up the ranks. We offer you advice that may help you in your pursuit of black belt. Wednesdays, we talk to our Ratchet experts that are also jiu-jitsu practitioners and offer you advice in their chosen field of work. So you don't want to miss these. Second, and this is how we pay the bills. Please go to RatchetDojo.com and support the cause by purchasing one of our limited edition t-shirts for only $35. Welcome to Ratchet Dojo and remember, everyone can get a little ratchet. What is up you guys? Today is Tuesday, June 2nd and as we are doing this podcast, we are experiencing curfews here in New York City and also protesting. Um, Anyway, so I hope wherever you're hearing this from, you're staying safe. So our guest for today is... This man is responsible for strengthening and conditioning some of jiu-jitsu's top athletes here in New York City. Ladies and gentlemen, strength and conditioning coach and jiu-jitsu blue belt, Mr. Mark DeSalvo. Hey, everybody. How's it going? What's up, baby? Thanks for having me on. No, no, not too much, man. uh, I like that intro. That music jacked (laughs) you up. <laughs> I was gonna say it feels like a mix of like a, a party or something. I'm from the Bronx and like I'm on Love Line because it's eight thirty at night. <laughs> well, good. That, that, that's exactly what I was going for because you know, I mean, uh, this is a New York based podcast, so you know, I mean, got to keep it fresh, got to keep it fly, got to keep it dope for the ladies, yeah. of course. Even though there's mad dudes listening to this, yeah, it's all dudes. <laughs> it's okay though. <laughs> Just like the jujitsu uh, locker rooms, as usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, how are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. You know, it's uh, heavy times, but, you know, hanging in there and, and, you know, just trying to stay healthy, stay focused on, you know, when we can get back to, you know, training as normal and just kind of helping people stay uh, fit in the meantime and doing the same for myself. Well, there there seems to be a lot of light under the, uh, you know, in the tunnel because as we're talking a couple of academies are starting to open uh, nationwide. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm actually yeah. looking forward to being able to get back on the mats and maybe things are not going to be as, as it used to be, but just to be able to train and roll uh, everybody, I feel as if they're, they're just like looking forward to that. So uh, one yeah, step at it'll a time. Be, yeah, exactly. It'll be good to get everybody back together. I think too, because you know, I mean, that's a big part of jujitsu. Like, yeah, the, you know, the, maybe like solo drills might feel a little lame, but I think um, in the end it'll actually be, it'll be better because we'll all be together again, be able to kind of not be in our apartments all the time. (laughs) So (laughs) it'll be good. Absolutely. So just for our listeners, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? We know that you do, you train jujitsu and you're a strength and conditioning coach and you do work with some top athletes, but uh, you know, so who's Mark DeSalvo? Yeah. So, um, for anyone, I guess, who I haven't met or isn't familiar with me and what I do, I, my name is Mark DeSalvo. I own DeSalvo Performance Training. Um, I started it about, well, it was actually five years ago in May. And then as of yesterday was the one-year anniversary of our first standalone gym. So it's sandwiched right between Enzo Gracie and Marcelo Garcia. And then not too far from that is a million other jiu-jitsu academies. So um, I've had the benefit of kind of having a lot of jiu-jitsu athletes from like all the the academies in the city come through. Uh, I get to learn a lot about, you know, the sport besides what I know just from training myself, but, um, you know, learning, you know, about different people's games and et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, um, I've been doing and coaching, 
you know, like as a personal trainer and then as a strength and conditioning coach for about 10 years almost now. I started as a personal trainer and I still do a lot of personal training because I, even to this day, a lot of what I do is one-on-one. A lot of times I think people think of um, strength and conditioning and they think of rooms of a lot of people and maybe they used to, not anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I've always done a lot of things one-on-one. Um, I like to really kind of get to know athletes and figure out, you know, a long-term plan for them and kind of what, what makes them tick, like what they really need. Um, because everything at the end of the day is very individualized to the athlete. So I know I kind of wandered there a little bit, but that's kind of the basics of what I do. Yeah. And then, uh, as far as jujitsu is concerned, uh, how did you get started? I got started in jujitsu officially in, I think like 2014. It was like right at the beginning, either end of 2013 or 14. I had been a fan of jujitsu for a long time, but I was like dead broke and I just couldn't afford to go to any school. <laughs> so I was at that time. So I was just, um, you know, kind of admiring and I was a big fan of MMA going back to like the early UFC days. And, uh, you know, I just had my eye on it for a long time. And a friend of mine had said to me that he thought, because at the time I was, I was dabbling a little bit with some of the, some striking arts, like, you know, American boxing or just boxing and then, um, Muay Thai, but I was not good at them. I didn't particularly love them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he said, you know, I honestly think you'd be really good at jujitsu. And I was like, really? You think so? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't think you're a striker. I think you might, <laughs> you might do better with grappling. <laughs> Getting hit in the head is definitely a different, uh, <laughs> breed of people. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I'm glad he said that because it put into perspective. I was like, you know what? No, I really don't like it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and so I, I went and I, uh, started looking up all the academies in the city. And of course I knew about, I knew about Marcelo's, I knew about Henzo's. And I said, where do you think you should go? He said, "Eh, I go to Marcelo's. And he had never trained there before. He just, he had trained jujitsu up to blue belt. And I think he had quit. And he said, yeah, go to Marcelo's. I hear good things. (laughs) And so that was where I went. And, um, so I was there for about four, four and a half years. And then I went and started training with a good friend of mine, Alex Eklund, who I think was just on this, this podcast recently. Yeah. Master Sky. Yeah. uh... Yeah, those guys so I started are fire. Training. Those guys are dope. Yeah, no, they're great people. They're awesome people, and um, I really just and they were so close to my house, and I really enjoyed. Um, I've always Alex, I've, I and I always have seen eye to eye on a lot. I really liked his game. I liked Van's game, and I really just wanted to learn that. So I started training there a lot. Still trained at Marcelo's a little bit, and then coming back full circle now. Um, I until all the the lockdowns was training again a lot at Marcelo's and at Masterskaya uh, because my gym's right up the street. <laughs> so it made it very easy to start training at both places again. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my, my simple story of, of jujitsu and just really loving the sport um, and really growing to love it like most people in the environment and the community. It's been good to me. Like people, you know, I've met a lot of great people through it. Um, because of it, I got a huge deep dive into strength and conditioning because one of my first and closest mentors, Steve Maxwell, he was one of the first 12 American uh, black belts in jiu-jitsu. And he was just somebody independent of jiu-jitsu who I always liked his approach to training and strength training. And I had like a chance meeting with him actually when I used to do a podcast years ago. And we uh, we just hit it off. And he didn't even know I trained jiu-jitsu. We were just talking about kettlebells and all kinds of stuff. And I, I said to him, you know, hey, I trained jiu-jitsu. And I just like kind of it just sparked an affinity and him and I became very close and he, uh, and I got to work with him for about two years dating back to like 2015 to like 2017 ish. Um, I was his assistant on the road and in a lot of things he, uh, and just mentored me. I kind of basically apprenticed sort of under him. And that's where I really cut my teeth kind of in that, like in working more with athletes and just becoming a better trainer overall. And, uh, but yeah, like I said, jujitsu has been good to me. <laughs> like most of us, uh, you know, definitely jujitsu has uh, a lot of benefits, community, um, you know, physically, yeah, all sorts of things. Um, anyway, so um, I have you on today because I am interested in finding out, you know, you ask every coach, uh, whether that's jujitsu or other whatever arts, and mm-hmm. some of them will agree that, strength and conditioning is necessary and important. And some of them are like, no, you should just stick to jujitsu or stick to whatever fighting arts that you're involved in. Um, right. You know, what is your take on that? Well, I think, you know, 
you kind of have to first ask yourself like the level at which you want to practice that martial art or that sport and and that should sort of guide your decision but regardless of that i think you you want to probably engage in some sort of like physical training rituals like outside of martial arts or combat sports anyway like even if you're even if you're just trying to be the weekend warrior type and you're like i'm never going to go to jiu-jitsu more than three times a week i'm never going to roll off these masks like i'll never compete if you want to be able to do that for a long time I, I i never think it's a bad idea to to work it in and i think it's actually really important especially if you're with a bunch of you know like animals basically like if you're with people who are, are strong and they're coming for you at a school like marcelo's where it's like they really are no easy roles you know if you're gonna train like that i think it's i think it is important to, to care for yourself in that sense and then if you're going to be competitive at all especially if you hope to make money from the sport one day then you 100 percent need to do it there's not a sport on earth that doesn't um involve or invoke strength training somewhere in its like preparation for its athletes, you know, especially its professional athletes. Like everyone understands that things that are bigger, faster, and stronger are generally having a better, will have a better chance to win, you know? So like the way I come down on it is, is really figuring out what that person, why is or how they're like, what they're really trying to accomplish with martial arts and, and let that guide it. You know, if it's something like I just want to train and train for fun, I think your strength training should really just revolve around keeping you healthy. So doing things that you don't do a lot of in jujitsu, getting a lot of pulling work in, making sure that you, you know, stay healthy and just all the basic movement patterns. But, um, you know, you can then start to leverage those as you want to get more competitive, like leverage them on up, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely um, every competitive sport uh, requires some sort of uh, strength and conditioning. So why do you think that some coaches do not believe in it? Uh, I mean, Marcelo is very, you know, there's that YouTube video of him like saying that, you know what, if you want to improve your jujitsu, just do more jujitsu and, you know, forget about strength and conditioning and, uh, you know, cause there's only but so much time in the day, so to speak. Right. And then you want yeah, to focus yeah. on that. Uh, mm -hmm. so are you saying that, you know, you're looking at it from a long-term perspective or is it just, uh, I mean, can you shed some light on what, what I'm, what I'm trying to describe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I see what you're getting at. I think I think the notion that you don't really need strength conditioning in jiu-jitsu is kind of an older one. I sort of think that most people um, don't really think that way anymore. I, I just, I haven't experienced that many people. I mean, Marcelo is obviously the exception. Um, but I would even say, you know, he does have a strength and conditioning ritual because A, his, especially when it gets closer to tournaments, those warm-ups are like, you know, they just, they're pretty intense, you know, he's putting people through the ringer for 15 minutes. And I know that, you know, he works on um, Pilates and yoga and all these other types of things kind of outside um, that he has for the past few years now. So, I mean, to me that, that, that qualifies, like that counts. So I think sometimes it's a semantics argument with some coaches, but I also see the, the, the point that they're making too. And this is something I'm very big on. And that's why I think I've, I've worked well with a lot of jujitsu athletes is that like your training in jujitsu should come first. Like that's what should dictate your, your training schedule. Like I'm not suggesting that, you know, you train any less unless you're training at like a destructively high pace. But, um, I think, you know, your strength and conditioning should fit around it. Like most of my programs for people, I mean, they'll still start at like two days a week if they're training jujitsu frequently, you know, and then we work on up from there. Like, when I was working with Mateus Lutes before the spider tournament in Korea, like we did two times a week, like for the most, for most of it, there were some weeks where we met more often, but he trained so much, like the body wouldn't have been able to take more and it would have been counterproductive. So in, in that sense, like I sometimes hear coaches and I, and I, I agree with them, like there's nothing that replaces skill training, but even in like MMA, for example, and I noticed that happens in boxing too, actually, like the strength coaches, typically do and should have a close relationship with the skill coaches so you can kind of manage your training together and maybe even intertwine it because especially if you're doing more conditioning like you don't have to necessarily do all that conditioning like on an exercise bike or something with me you can do that conditioning by doing certain drills and i can give the coach the time parameters like what what kind of timing they should put up on the clock mm -hmm. rather than you know and and then it's specific then they're doing wrestling drills or then they're doing you know, whatever it is. 
and they're getting practice and they're conditioning themselves. So like there's a more integrative approach that, that exists in um, like MMA and boxing, for example, that's not quite there in jujitsu yet. Like I'm, I'm trying, you know, that's one reason I like Alex and Van a lot is they, they like to pick my brain about that sort of stuff to like apply, apply to some of their younger athletes that are coming up and are very competitive. You know, it's like, like Rayhan Mutalov, who I've worked with for a very long time. He and his training partners, they all kind of coach each other down in South Carolina. And like, I, you know, I know his main training partner very well. I actually coach him and, you know, we talk about training intervals and the timing and these kinds of things when it comes to his conditioning. So his conditioning is not just like him on a bike. It's, can be him doing certain types of rounds or certain specific training for a certain amount of time, this kind of stuff. So like there's, you can get nuanced with it. Like it just is like at the end of the day, if you as a strength and conditioning coach understand like principles of physiology and strength and conditioning, you could almost apply it to anything. You just, you just need to know the vessel that you have basically. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when I hear strength and conditioning, I think that when most people think of strength and conditioning, they think about like a boot camp class, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us, you know, specifically when you say strength and conditioning, what does that mean? Uh, well, the way I, I look at it is it's just the way you prepare your body, you know, outside of your sport. So in a very general sense. So it's using, you know, very like kind of traditional strength training methods. So that could be barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, body weight, calisthenics programmed in an intelligent way, like with a goal. And then the conditioning part is the same thing, understanding where, and then this is where you can get really into the weeds with, you know, <laughs> biology and many other things, energy systems, but conditioning, understanding where, where you might be weak, like where it may be, what heart rates your body doesn't tolerate well for, for lack of a better term, like where you're not trained there specifically. I think for a long time in uh, jujitsu, especially like the combat sports world, maybe not boxing, I couldn't comment, but like MMA and jujitsu, it was just kind of like this weird, like you said, boot camp, like class that people just thought harder, harder, harder. And I think a lot of guys who train that way, like broke down really fast. Yeah, that's and what I was I just going to say because yeah. it's like, um, as an athlete, I don't want my strength and conditioning to affect my ability to perform at a hundred percent in my chosen field of, exactly. uh, you know, sport. Exactly. Yeah. And in general, like, uh, in, unless you're out of season, like, unless you know, you have no tournaments coming up for like three months or like a super fight or anything like that, like you should generally be training outside of the the mat in a way that you almost feel better when you leave the gym than when you walked in. Like I shouldn't be the one killing, murdering and killing you. Like that's your training partner. That's what they should be doing. Right. Not right. Me. Right. But like, you know, if there is, there are, uh, you know, just protective privacy. Like there are athletes who have said to me too, like I'm not strong enough and I need to get stronger. And I don't have any tournaments for X amount of months. Like, then we might push it a little more. It's not going to look like boot camp, but you know, we're going to be lifting. We're going to be pushing the numbers. You know, we're going to be having them do deadlifts and squats and, you know, big multi-joint movements, weighted pull-ups, things like that, that, you know, yeah, they might leave feeling kind of sore and they might be really tight the next day. So, you know, for a few weeks and that kind of thing. But I typically try to avoid that for people who are training jujitsu a lot because I don't want them to be sore, you know, because when you're sore, it sucks. You know, it is going to affect your performance. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know it really sucks. It's not fun. So yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Like, but I think there was that era, especially when I started jujitsu, that where people were doing these boot camp classes, and I could see why co- like jujitsu coaches would be like, "Why are you guys doing this? You're just showing up sore and hurt, and then you know you're, you're canceling your membership because you hurt yourself across CrossFit or you did this or whatever." It's like I could see them be like, "And like, why are you doing this?" So I understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about specifics as far as, um, mm-hmm. you know, somebody walking in, um, let's just say uh, an athlete, right? A 25 to 30 year old male coming into you and like, all right. So they just want to become better at or perform better. What are, mm-hmm. the, what are the steps that you're going to offer them? Well, I would, I would generally like to, and most people do come with like fairly clear goals or like a fairly clear problem. Like they're, you know, 
they're, they're getting hurt a lot or they're, you know, they feel kind of weak or they just, they don't feel quite the same way. And that age range that you outlined, like 30 is like, is typically where that can kind of happen for some people who have been training like all of their twenties pretty hard. And they just sort of feel like, I don't quite have it the same as I did, you know? And, and they're kind of curious as to why, you know, and that, that's a general statement, but I would generally, I always, then I always have them go through an assessment. I have like a pretty standard assessment that I take people through that starts with like a longer written questionnaire. So when, before people come see me and if anyone's listening, who's worked with me before that they know <laughs> this questionnaire, I ask them everything, like anything, anything and everything I could think of that would be relevant to see if something really stands out. You know, it starts with a lot of physical questions. It gets into like their goals and mental state, um, like emotional questions, things about, you know, even, I mean, there's a section in there that I have for people on even their spirituality, like what they, how they think about things and whatnot, just because I'm just trying to just get to know them a little bit better. Um, and then of course, like medical history, that would be relevant and all that stuff. But then we get to, you know, the actual in-person assessment and that's where we start to, you know, see how they move. And, you know, there's like a number of things I won't take you through every single little detail, but you know, we, we test their flexibility, mobility, you know, I start to see where they're strong, where they're weak. Um, and then I basically, and I think there's a blog of this I wrote about a month ago on my site that gives you a good idea of how I think about these things too, where I basically will figure out where people kind of fit in like this athletic development continuum. And that's like what I call it. And I look at it like a pyramid, like the food pyramid. So like at the bottom, you have like your basic strengths or what I call it, like GPP. A lot of people call that call it that in my field it's general physical preparedness so it's just like your basic strength do you have like reasonably decent you know cardio like or can you you know do some things not i'm not gonna like throw you through a boot camp but you know can you can you run a mile you know is your heart rate reasonable at at different exercise intensities where it should be um things like that and then you get a little bit more specific and working your way up the pyramid you know, working on power, like different types of strengths, things, you know, maybe faster, more explosive strength. Um, and then as you get closer to the top of the pyramid, it's like very special skills for your sport. So that would be like something about somebody's jujitsu game that's very like specific. So like, you know, someone like Rehan's a guard player, um, but Mateus is a passer. So it looks a little bit different at the top of the pyramid for mm. the both of them. Got you know, Rehan has to have, um, extremely strong hips. Mateus has to have a really sturdy base, very, very strong hamstrings, very strong glutes, all that stuff to keep him, you know, driving forward to keep his knees, keep everything healthy, you know? That's, that's, um, yeah. So we would, and, and so I have to identify where you're at because it's, you know, it's somebody who, you know, to take the professionals, like most of them usually need some development somewhere like in that middle top of the pyramid. And then if it's somebody who is maybe complaining of just feeling a little weaker or gapping out a little too easy or wh whatever it is, like then maybe we need to fill in the bottom of the pyramid. We need to work on the bottom of the pyramid a little more, get your basic strength up, work on your cardio, that kind of stuff, and then see where we go from there. And kind of, you know, we can get as specific as you want. Um, and some, like some people, you know, who have regular day jobs that come and train with me that want to, you know, do the New York open or they want to do whatever. So then, you know, as, New York open season comes around, we train a little bit more specific. I ask them about their game and like kind of what they're planning. And, you know, and right before all this, a few months before, um, I was working with, uh, Marco Sinoco at Marcelo's and, you know, he coaches a ton of people at Marcelo's. So like I can ask him about certain people's games who I work with, like, what are you telling them in class? Like, what are they doing? Right. What are they doing wrong? Like, so I know different things I can keep an eye on too. So, I like to keep those lines of communication open. Got it. And it yeah. seems like uh, the higher you are, as far as like the training component is concerned, uh, on top of the pyramid, the more specific that you start getting into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. The more, kind of the more healthy you are, the more, um, the more fit you are, for lack of a better term, like then we work our way up that pyramid. Yeah. Very and specific. Think, and, and yeah. And think about getting more specific with the goals, but Got it. Yeah, general training, even for those specific people, if they're working with me over the course of the year, we might go back into those general phases just to make sure nothing, you know, because the body's kind of, you know, it's been in a constant ebb and flow. Like, 
things will change. You know, yeah. so you have well, to talk keep about an eye change. On it. Talk about change. You know, we're, let's mm-hmm. talk about compensation as far as uh, jujitsu is concerned, because jujitsu is mm-hmm. pretty bad for the body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wouldn't you say? It, it fucking sucks. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. You know, I mean, yeah. you have the you know, as a trainer, you're like, there's a, the 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 anatomical position. I feel that jujitsu really fucks up your anatomical position, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you're you're in this constant state of like this forward like flexion, just forward shoulders and head. It's like it's like a like sitting at a computer all day was an extreme sport. Like uh-huh. jujitsu makes it into that. It's like the yeah, same yeah, yeah. dysfunction. So, what are some of the so, yeah. most common um, ailments that people you know have you, that you have worked with? You know, as far as compensation yeah. is concerned, what are some of those things that you've you've, you've noticed? Uh, probably lower back and shoulder problems, mm-hmm. and then and then probably they're probably tied for, you know, like one and two or like one A, one B and then probably like knee issues. Um, you know, the lower back thing is really common because of that position (laughs) that we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, because what ends up happening is when you're in that, just that crunched forward posture all the time, it, it, you create this imbalance. It's very anterior heavy, anterior being the front of your body. It's just, like jujitsu, everything's happening in front of you because like, you don't want people on your back. It's really bad when that happens. So you generally like you're always kind of making yourself small. So a lot of people, they uh, make the mistake of underdeveloping their back just because they, you know, you don't really get a lot of pulling work or anything that would make your back really strong in jujitsu the way you might, you know, get other parts of your body strong. Like, you know, people in jujitsu, if they're doing it right, they typically will be fairly strong in their core, you know, like you'll, People come in with pretty decent core strength, but right. it's the lower back, it's the back, the posterior muscles that are really weak. And actually, that's really true of most sports that you know people have problems with. I mean, swimmers are an exception, but like you know, most people like hockey, like that was what I grew up playing. And my body—that's want to talk about another sport that screws up your body—is <laughs> hockey. And you know, like you're hunched over with a stick to one side, so you're kind of like leaning. <laughs> you know, you always have your lean on, and you're on skates. And you usually push off with one foot. So it's like you get some really weird patterns developing there too. So a lot of things for a lot of jujitsu guys who really don't work out too much outside of jujitsu can be solved by just adding more pulling work into their day. Mm. Like just rows and pull-ups, lat pull-downs, you know, deadlifts or a form of pulling. Um, You know, all these kinds of things can, can take you a long way, like in a very simple sense. Yeah, got it. And yeah. and now let's move on to the master's division, which is yeah. my division. Yeah. Mine too. <laughs> um, you know, so I've noticed when I when I turned 36 and mm-hmm. it's as if like somebody pulled a plug on me, man. It was just like wild. It just my energy level, all sorts of things. So this obviously has to do with testosterone, um, mm-hmm. you know, but my body started to like really start breaking down, you know, things that were like, I, my explosive energy just completely like one day just wasn't there. <laughs> right. <laughs> my cardio sucked. <laughs> Everything was like, you know, withering, you know, so to right. speak. So mm-hmm. how can, well, first of all, like what, what is that? What, what's that about? <laughs> so, I mean, to answer it like the most in depth, I'd probably have to put you through the assessment and figure <laughs> out like where something's going wrong. Cause I mean, you know, what you're describing could be, there could be something definitely underlying there that isn't just kind of age and testosterone, but you know, that can sometimes be it. I mean, in terms of just, um, mileage, cause I know you've been training for a long time and, you know, I know you also coach, so it's like, you know, that takes a lot out of you. Um, and it, it might be a recovery deficit thing. Like, look, you know, you want to check out how you're sleeping, how you're eating, stress and all that stuff, like just managing your training a little differently Mm -hmm. um, and seeing if you can have things come back. Cause um, you know, when people are kind of this, like what you just described is might just be that kind of like necessary sort of deload everyone sort of needed from, from life that like COVID shutdowns gave us. So I'd love to hear how you feel when you come back, you know, like maybe if, yeah, I would love to see it. Well, I mean, difference. I'm still right now I'm like boxing in the park, you know, I mean, literally mm-hmm. like, um, you know, we spar uh, a couple of my friends and I, and yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like I do have a little bit more energy and there's definitely a lot more like 
what, what do you say, uh, aggression, because I, I have been pent up, you know, uh, yeah. locked in. So mm-hmm. there is a lot more energy and um, yeah, but I, I really can't explain it. So, I mean, there's really like not a lot of stress in my life right now, besides just working on these podcasts, but not as much as I used mm-hmm. to where I used to work seven days a week, um, work early, right. get home late and, and all sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, that stuff really piles up too, especially like, and you will feel it like kind of, I think the, your thirties are the age where you kind of start to have to pay the piper for, for things from before. So mm. like if, if, you know, like that seven day a week, cause I know that grind too, of just, you know, you wake up really early to train people and it's just kind of like your day lingers and then it heats up again at night when everyone's off work. And then you go home and it's late and then you just start all over again. Right. I mean, that's, that's a, it's a tough schedule. I mean, I, I did that for a very long time and it wasn't until last year when I opened like my gym, my studio that we, um, that I started really just taking out my mornings and I just like, just didn't do them anymore. And I would start in the early afternoon and go late and I noticed a ton of energy come back. And so I, you know, I, I would suspect there's probably a recovery deficit and especially for people like in jujitsu, I think that's like the one thing that um, we don't really do too well. It's just because jujitsu gets addicting, and it is like your 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 friend group. It is your everything. So people want to show up there every day. You know, it's the it's the country club or it's the bar. You know, <laughs> it, 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 you know. So people are just like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go, and you know, you get you just you just get in that hole, and it's hard to get out of, um, and you know, I think that's why this, I, I heard people joking around like, oh, my injuries are finally going to heal now that like we haven't been training. And it's like, but it's kind of true, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's not a, necessarily a bad thing. It, you know, I mean, that's a whole other thing we can talk about is yeah, absolutely. Way, ways you could recover better, you know, for everybody. Cause I think that's, that's really important too. I think, uh, I'm not one of these people who was is like, would say that somebody don't train. It's just trained smarter. Like, um, an analogy I use with a lot of people is like in powerlifting, for example, when somebody is like starting to get ready for a competition, like where they squat, bench, and deadlift, if they're trying to increase their frequency of the, of training the squat, like if they only ever trained it once per week, but say they did like nine sets of that squat once per week, they're not going to now do nine sets of the squat every day that week or three days a week it's like if they want to now train it more days a week they're going to take those nine sets and they're going to do monday wednesday friday three sets start they're just breaking up those nine over the course of three days mm. and then the next the next week they're going to add like they're going to do four sets on monday three sets on wednesday three sets on friday now they're doing 10 sets so they're doing more work than they did before over x amount of days and then they just keep adding until they figure out their capacity to where they still feel like they're like doing well, but they're not, they're recovering. They're not feeling crappy. They have good performances. And then at a certain point, you know, maybe in that peaking phase of like 10 weeks, now they're doing, you know, six or seven sets of squats, you know, three days a week. And that's 21 sets. So they more than doubled what they started with the training cycle. So for jujitsu, like what I will recommend to people a lot when, you know, when they ask and when I work with them, is you figure out how many rounds or how much sparring time you want to do per week. And you split that up over X amount of days. And, you know, maybe undershoot a little bit at first and then build up and maybe add a a round here, like a round on Monday, you know, and then keep it at, you know, like 15 minutes the other day. And then eventually you build up to, you know, 30, 30, 30, if you're going to do 30 minutes, 30 minutes of sparring, like, you know, every day of the week or whatever it is, but it's that same set analogy, like do things like that. And you're going to build a capacity that your body can handle because your body can handle a lot. It's just, if you throw everything at it all at once, if you're, you're, you're asking for trouble and then you're blaming things that you shouldn't be blaming. It's not like people do that in, in sports like CrossFit all the time. It's like, no, it's not CrossFit's fault. It's just you an idiot. You did too much all at once, you know, <laughs> and jujitsu has a lot of that, you know? So um, I think that's a really intelligent way to do it and, and just make a note of it on your phone or something. And then if you know, like, oh, I really don't feel good this week. I have no power. I've got nothing in me. I have no, like, I can't sleep. Libido sucks or whatever. Just look at your phone and be like, okay, looks like 90 minutes of sparring rounds this week was too much for me. Next mm-hmm. week I'm going to do like 80, you know, got it. and just, 
pull back, you know, and that's a smart way to do it. So you don't have to just stop training because there's nothing like worse than listening to someone complain about how they had to like stop training and stuff. And I feel bad for them, but it's like, no, dude, just let me, let, let's, let me hear about what you were actually doing. And there's an intelligent solution. And I mean, that's gold right there. I mean, I think that's really the key to, to sparring. And that's really how I monitor, like, especially the athletes that are trying to make money from it and, and our professionals, like that's the kind of stuff I'm asking them, those numbers I'm asking them to give me because I'm trying to keep an eye on it. Well, numbers never, don't, never lie. So yeah, they tell you a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So as far as, um, you know, back to the master's division, uh, conversations concerned, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how beneficial would you say, you know, strength and conditioning is for, uh, for my peoples. <laughs> yes. Yes. Actually, I'm glad you asked that. Cause I would actually say, I'm glad you pulled it back this way. Cause I actually think once you get over 30, it is, it's even more important in a lot of ways, because, um, if you can intelligently program like two to three days of weight training, stuff that probably borders on something that's a little more high intensity. And by intensity, I mean, um, whether either your perceived intensity of it or just like heavy load, it's just really good for, for your health. Like speaking to men specifically, like it's very good for all the male hormones to be doing that on a regular basis, signaling to your body to maintain a certain amount of muscle mass. Cause like you said, I mean, it, at some point in your thirties, you will start to feel like the, the small percentage effects of some testosterone loss, but this is a good way to keep it up and keep sarcopenia away, which is just age related muscle loss you know, the, the less you use it as you get older, you will lose it. So you do want to make sure that you, um, you keep things like, you know, pull-ups, I would even say deadlift, some, some form of squatting. It doesn't have to be a back squat. If you have like a history of back injuries, you can do, you can do goblet squats with kettlebells or dumbbells, but just heavier stuff, things that are harder, things that, you know, will push you hard in the, like the rep department in terms of like, I would say like maybe like five to eight reps, like where it's like, oh, I don't think I can go past eight or I don't think I can go past five. Like that's like not a bad rule of thumb for those bigger movements to do. Like I said, like a minimum of twice a week. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really important for master's athletes. Yeah, totally. And um, my question, my next question to you is jujitsu is already an endurance based sport. And so mm-hmm. how would, would doing more cardio be offer or provide negative, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's just, it would, would it, it be, be like helpful or would it just drive you like make be just too much? And just, it would be counterproductive, kind of right? Is right. doing more cardio ca- counterproductive because n- now you're, you know, cause jujitsu, like I said, it's an endurance based sport. You're bringing down your, your, your testosterone level. And you just said mm-hmm. that strength and conditioning kind of helps that. But mm-hmm long base, let's say 26 mile running. I mean, nobody does that unless you're doing a marathon, but yeah, a three mile, five mile run, would that be counterproductive? Not necessarily. Like I, I think you'd have to look at the person. So like, if you don't breathe very well, like if you notice you like have like a very dysfunctional breathing pattern, like you're a real heavy mouth breather, um, you might want to work on that first. But you know, if you're having trouble with, if you're having trouble with like, if you just go on the, you're just going to go jog and you're going to jog for 25 minutes. If that's hard for you, that that's probably not a bad metric for you, for someone in jujitsu. Like they should be able to, you know, without any injuries, jog 25 minutes. I don't even care what your mile pace is. I just, just know that you can keep jogging for 25 minutes and be okay. Um, that would be like a baseline test. Like if you couldn't do something like that, um, I might be a little worried about you. And I would say, actually, no, it would actually be very productive for you to get on a bike or get on, you know, and and get that falls under that category of GPP. That's like bottom of the pyramid stuff. But once you have that covered, you're you're correct. I mean, in my opinion, most of it can be done on the mat or done with intelligent drills. And no, you don't need to be doing like a ton of road work, but it certainly doesn't, it certainly doesn't hurt if you're used to it. So like I used to run a lot as a kid, so I still like to run here and there, but it doesn't take a lot out of me. So I can do that. And, um, you know, I, it, it kind of depends on your history too. If you hate running and you never, you never were good at it and it always causes some kind of pain or gives you shin splints, you probably, you probably don't need to be doing it. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's no, I, I think 
I'm trying to be as kind of direct as possible, but no, I don't think you, you necessarily need to be um, doing that stuff and it could be counterproductive, yeah. but it's not necessarily like you, you do need to have a baseline level of cardio or else you're just building that pyramid on crappy foundation or you're just building that house on like marshmallows, not cement, you know, like you, you need to make sure that you're, you're, um, that you hedge your bets at, at its core that like, cause that really makes up a decent athlete at, mm-hmm. at any point. So, yeah. So would you yeah. say mm-hmm. that, you know, concerning cardio, would it be better to do, let's say sprints instead of like a long, uh, running, uh, day? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use the word better. I would say that it just depends on your training goal. I think for a lot of people in jujitsu, it would be helpful to do things like that, like things like sprints. Um, if, especially if they'll see like sprints kind of fall in this, like more slightly anaerobic category, cause you can't do them for very long. Yeah. So it's in, in a way it's not really cardio anymore in my mm-hmm. opinion. So it's more, it's more beneficial, honestly, for hormones. It's very beneficial for like that type of endurance, that very, very short duration, like blast off type of endurance, like the same thing you'd use during like a quick sweep or a takedown or something like that, you know? Like if you're a judo player, that would be very beneficial. Things like that. Like if you're on your feet a lot. But um, yeah, I think you need a real balanced approach to cardio and jujitsu. Like you need to, you've, that's why I'm really big on heart rate monitors. Like I'm doing a lot of that with people right now, especially mm-hmm. because people are all stuck at home um, and cardio is very easy to do. It's like the most democratized kind of form of training there is. You can mm-hmm. just go out and run or jump rope. Yep. And I just, I just, I like to look at, numbers and if they're doing something like i said that 25 minute jog like i want to see that heart rate fairly low like i want to see it like 140 to like maybe 155 like definitely not over 160 like if that's if if, if you're like in that range then i'm probably you're probably like you're probably not you have you don't have good cardio in other words then we need to work on that right, right, right. um and and that will help you on the mat a hundred percent um and, and that's what we need to work on. But if you're really good at that, maybe the sprints just make you want to puke. We need to work on that. You know, like we need to get your body buffered and, and, and like used to being at those heart rates and, and making sure you could be there without passing out or, you know, just gassing out. Uh, and so that's why with conditioning, like you said, numbers don't lie. They really don't lie with conditioning and heart rate monitoring is like almost essential to, to really like doing doing a justice there besides just like looking at the person or them being honest with you or themselves, you know, like, yeah, in terms of seeing how well they did with whatever you just gave them. Cool. Uh, and one last question concerning, uh, mm-hmm. performance because I'm, I've, you know, all my life I've been pretty much, uh, interested or fascinated about human performance. Yeah. Um, how beneficial would it be to take supplements and, if they are beneficial, what are some of the supplements that you would recommend these athletes? Right. I mean, I think they can always be beneficial. The way I've always looked at supplements is that you're, if you are interested in supplementing, you know, just understand that if it's really probably only moving the marker a few percent, but that might be the difference between you beating somebody or like, you know, winning the ADCC trial or just whatever. So yeah, that's a big, can make a big difference. Very small. And usually they don't matter unless you do everything else right. So unless you dial in all these other principles we've been talking about and your diet and your sleep, your training and managing it properly, the supplements end up kind of being a waste of money in my opinion. But once you do that, you can, you can really start to hedge your bets. Um, you know, and your supplement routine shouldn't look the same all year round because your goals and you should supplement like kind of with your training program. So what I mean by that is, if you're somebody who's training um, for, let's say, um, well, let's start with basic health because that's even easier. So like in the summertime, if you're outside a lot more and you know you're going to be outside a lot, um, you might not need to take as big of a dose of, of vitamin D, for example. And I think that's a very important one for a lot of people to supplement. Yeah. Like we, especially in New York, like we don't live close enough to the equator it's cloudy a lot. There's a lot of buildings and we're inside all the time. So you need to be generally supplementing vitamin D all year round. The amount of which is dependent truly upon what you test at. So you should get a blood test and find that out. Um, so you know what to be supplementing, but I can tell you, you're going to need to supplement a lot more of it in the winter than you do in the summer. If you're outside, 
But if you're like me last summer and you were opening a gym, like you were inside all the time. So I supplemented a lot of vitamin D all year round, you know? So that's an important one. And that's what I mean by like it fluctuates. If somebody's training to gain more muscular size, you should be probably eating a lot more carbohydrates. And I use a lot of like intracarb supplements. So things like, um, it's essentially just like dextrose or just Gatorade, you know, these kinds of things. Like during a workout, there's a lot of things I could point people to in terms of like research on how to, you know, make muscles grow more um, optimally um, by supplementing within a training session. That's where a lot of that comes from. But you don't need to be doing that if that's not your goal. But if you're training jujitsu all the time, you know, you're going to definitely want to be supplementing electrolytes for sure, for sure. That's usually the most often prescribed one that jujitsu athletes all give is, uh, or recommend is they look into supplementing electrolytes, whether it's, it's something as simple as, as Gatorade, watered down if it's like too sweet for you, or, um, you know, there's a million electrolyte supplements on the market, like noon tablets and things like that. That'll just help keep your joints, muscles, and just your overall, like, <laughs> vessel just healthy especially with being dehydrated mm-hmm. um and those are like the real simple ones i mean like we like i said if you can see it goes into the weeds but yeah it can be very beneficial like um you just have to kind of know what your goal is and what you're trying to accomplish well definitely a lot of things that uh you covered um that yeah. can be beneficial for me and also uh my listeners um uh, anyway, so I want to shift gears here. Uh, you've been in the industry sure. for quite some time, and I know there's a lot of uh, fuckery that happens in the world yeah. of, <laughs> of gyms, not mm-hmm. just in jujitsu, but uh, in regular gyms, you know, like yeah. Planet Fitness type Donut Tuesday or something. I don't know. Pizza. What is it? Pizza <laughs> Wednesdays? I don't know. Oh, anyway. yeah. Uh, Did you, yeah exactly. So can you tell us a ratchet experience, a ratchet story that you may or may not have? Oh gosh. Well, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like there's defense mechanisms in my head that block, block them out. Um, most of mine have to do with like, if you go to, there's like an Instagram account called Jim fuckery. Um, <laughs> and it's great. And it's just a lot of shit like that. There's like the weird things you see. Um, like just people using like the cable machines and like putting the pins like all the way at the bottom of the stack and like trying to do gymnastics and it like weighs more than them. So it's like shooting them across <laughs> the whole thing. Like I used to work in a commercial gym years ago. And so I would see like all kinds of crazy people come in and do things. Oh, man, I should have come prepared. I'm bad on the spot with these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of reminds me of when I, when I first started in, um, in New York sports clubs and then there was this big guy. Um, mm-hmm. and he would, I don't know, he was like in his 40s or something, mid 40s. And he would like ask us to like spot him. So uh, he would be doing bench press. So there's three guys, just one on each corner mm-hmm. and a bench, like 45 plates. There's like 10 plates on it. And, <laughs> you know, he'll drop it down to his chest, let it bounce. And mm-hmm. then midpoint, he'll like say, push, push, uh, pull, 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 pull. So we're like waiting for him to like do the actual rep, but we were the ones that were actually doing the work for him. So if I was behind him, I was doing upright rows. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Someone else has got on the side. Someone, yeah, on the side. And we're all like, like looking at each other, like, and we do this like five times. So like, you know, this guy's screwing up my workout. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, oh, uh, man. but I feel as if I'm, like, you know, the gym industry is, is, is kind of a, some, a lot of it is like laughable. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there is. And it's just, you know, I mean, one of the, I just, I don't know what made me think of this, but like you'll walk past random shit in the gym sometimes and just hear the wrong parts of conversations. And I remember one time I was working at this gym and this was a long time ago. And these two guys, like me, heads were in there and talking to each other. And he's like, bro, I told you, no, I'm not sharing a needle with you again. And I was like, dude. <laughs> I was like, all right. That's uh, enough. <laughs> yeah. One last like, question. Like that. One last question. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to answer this. Okay. It's kind of it's controversial. Mm-hmm. Do you think that people in jujitsu, certain people in jujitsu, the high levels take steroids? Mm, I mean, obviously, I, I I don't know for a fact. I mean, I, I I'll give you like an intelligent answer to this because I've thought about this. Before. Political, political, got it. Yeah, yeah. Because so in 
like Olympic weightlifting, for example, this is a, that's a sport where there's like PEDs are like rampant and they test like crazy and they finally have gotten like way ahead of the curve and they'll ban whole countries from international competition. You mean like Russia like, right now? Well, yeah, like Russia right now because of COVID, but <laughs> yeah, Russia but was like banned for like a year or something, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and so yeah, they're a great example. Um, in uh, the international, like they had the world championships, I think was the tournament in weightlifting, and it was in Thailand, and the whole Thai team got banned because they were all doping. <laughs> so in their home country, they couldn't compete. So, um, you know, what you look at a lot of times, and what will really tip you off in that sport to who like what will raise suspicion of um people's uh, use of steroids is if you see their training program you see how much they train so if you see that they're they're doing like some ungodly amount of of sets per week reps reps per month this kind of thing like if you get a hold of it and they're not getting hurt and they're getting stronger and nothing's going wrong like that starts to raise a lot of eyebrows so there's times where like, cause so I, cause I don't know what other people train like in jujitsu specifically. So there are times though, when I get wind of certain people's training programs and I'm like, and then I understand that they do strength and conditioning too. And I know what the human body can take and like, you know, what, what it can do. And I, it makes me wonder sometimes. So it's very possible, but I, you know, I don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and with that said, uh, thanks for being on the, the show today, uh, Mark. And um, where, yeah, can people find you? where can people find you? Uh, you can go to thesalvotraining.com. It's probably the best place where we've definitely been updating things all the time because, um, you know, Instagram, where I am at, at Mark DeSalvo, I'm pretty active there. But, you know, Instagram, they, they censor a lot of stuff lately. There's a lot of weird algorithm stuff. So for sure, if you want to get a hold of me, go to thesalvotraining.com. Um, that's where I post a lot of blogs and kind of it's the home base. So you can find social media from there go to our Patreon support that way. We do kettlebell classes three days a week, live streams uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern. So you can just log onto my Instagram. They're free when they're live and then they get archived on the Patreon. It's very inexpensive. If you want to get on and get access to all the past classes, it's a great way to work on conditioning and strength. There's different things we were talking about today. So yeah, that'd be the best way. All right. Well, thanks again for being on. Uh, until next time, you guys, this has been Rhoda Show from Ratchet Dojo. Peace. Take care.